From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The number of people diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease is expected to triple to more than 15 million by the year 2050. There's no cure, and the current treatments have limited benefit. Now there's a new experimental treatment being offered at 40 academic medical centers and specialized clinics throughout the United States, including here at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about this clinical trial is Dr. Sharon Brayman. She's a SUNY Distinguished Service Professor of Medicine, and she's Chief of the Department of Geriatrics. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Brayman. Thank you. So tell us about trorilazole. So we call it T2, and it's a clinical trial that we're very excited about because it's a different kind of medication. It may be a medication that actually protects the brain, It's called a neuroprotective agent, and unlike the other medications that are currently available that just treat the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, this drug has the potential to actually change the disease process. So that's very exciting for us. So how does it work in the brain? What is it? Does it work in the brain? So it works in the brain, and there are channels in the brain that help transmit certain chemicals called neurotransmitters that help our brain send messages and signals and make memories and other things. And this drug works on a certain chemical, glutamate. And if you have too much glutamate, that is not healthy for the brain. You need the right amount. Uh, Sometimes I like to give an analogy about static on the radio. If you have a lot of background noise and static coming in, you can't hear the music or the talking. But if you reduce the amount of static, that music can come through. So we're looking at medications that may reduce that overabundance of this brain chemical so that the good signals can come through, which may actually help protect the brain and save it from breaking down. Will it affect um, the symptoms of Alzheimer's? Does it, will it have like an impact on the ability to remember? So that's part of our study right now is to see how this drug helps the brain. Uh, we are looking specifically for its use in people who already have Alzheimer's disease, mild to moderate, where we know their brain is already having trouble keeping information straight. So what we want to do with this trial is break people up into groups. Some people will get the actual experimental medicine. Other people will get a placebo or a sugar pill. And then we're going to follow them over time and see if the people who are getting the experimental drug have more retention of brain function and better memory and other things that we'll be looking at. I've heard that trorilazole or T2 um, is used or has been used for general anxiety. Do do you know how it was seen to maybe have an impact in Alzheimer's? So we're we're still understanding the brain, and the brain makes a lot of different chemicals and neurotransmitters that have multiple purposes in the brain. And so we know that even though we have one diagnosis that comes up, there may be other things that are going on underneath So, for example, when I'm taking care of someone with Alzheimer's disease, they may have anxiety, they may have depression, they can have agitation, and a lot of this is based on some of those brain chemicals. All right, well, let's talk about how this study is set up. Um, How many people do you need? 
So we would like to get as many people as we can. Um, we are part of a group of multiple centers across the country. And so we're trying to offer it to everyone who we think is eligible. There are strict criteria that you have to go through to make sure you can be enrolled in the study. And so it may take us going through several people to get one that will actually fit and be appropriate to move on. So that's why we're trying to get the word out to as many people as possible so that we can find out who is eligible. So the ages you're looking at, 50 to 85? So we're looking for people between the ages of 50 and 85 with a diagnosed mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. So they have to have had the diagnosis. They don't just suspect that maybe they're getting to that point, but they, they need to have the diagnosis. So ideally they would have the diagnosis, and it usually is mild to moderate, and that's something else we're excited about because most of the studies haven't been looking at people who are moderate. They wanted people before they had the actual memory problem or had it in a very mild form. And so we need to understand, even in moderate people, because we take care of those patients too, how this drug may be helpful. So the ages of 50 to 85, mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, they can be on Alzheimer's medications, but they have to be on a stable dose for at least three months. So that means the dose hasn't been adjusted recently. Okay. Can they be um, in a nursing home? No, they have to be uh, living at home, and they have to have a caregiver or a study buddy, somebody who can help bring them in and can help participate in the study. How, how much of a commitment is this? How long does the study last? So it's about a year, and it would require the person, if they're eligible, to come into our center about nine times. Nine individual trips. Nine trips okay. in. We have a, a protocol or a list of criteria that we have to follow very closely in order to participate in this program. Uh, you start off with a brain scan, an MRI of the brain, and it ends with an MRI of the brain. And then there's a series of, of brain tests, cognitive testing, memory testing, and other things that are done along the way. Is there any cost to participate? There is no cost to the individual and we will pay your parking if needed. Uh, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to participate. Now, the screening for applicants includes um, some memory and thinking tests, a physical exam, and an EKG. Um, what are the things that you're looking for that would disqualify a person? So you have to have a score that would fall between the mild and moderate range. So if you score too high, meaning you're very, very early, in the disease process, you wouldn't be eligible. And also, if you score into a, a range that might make you more advanced, you wouldn't be eligible. We have to make sure the person is basically healthy and doesn't have any other medical problems that could impact their participation in the study or the chances of using this drug. That being said, this drug has a very low side effect profile, and it's very well tolerated in most people. So we don't anticipate uh, people having significant problems related to this medication, but that's also part of what we will monitor while they're in this study. Now, if a person's accepted into the study, do they get to choose whether they get the uh, real drug or the sugar pill? No, nobody will know. We won't know, and the patient won't know. So they will be given pills to take at home, and uh, we will not know what they are. It's called a double-blind study, 
which means the patient as well as the people in the study won't know if it's the real pill or the sugar pill. And that will keep us from being biased in collecting information so that we can be sure that any effects that occur are due to the drug or not to the drug. How, how will you know whether it's working then? As you go along, or how would the patient suspect whether it's working? So you will not be able to tell if it's working. There are visits that will be required in the center where we will take more information. And all of this information gets sent to a central uh, location where all of the information is analyzed across all 40 sites. And so it's not so much one single person, although every single person is important, it's more important to look at what is happening with the group because we want to see if there's an impact on the whole group because we're not looking for one individual person in order to figure out if this is successful or not. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Sharon Brangman. She's a SUNY Distinguished Service Professor of Medicine, and she's chief of the Department of Geriatrics. We're talking about a national trial that evaluates a drug um, to see whether it has an impact on Alzheimer's disease. And I want to let listeners know they can call this phone number at Upstate if they want more information. It's 315-464-3285. And they can also go online to the website T, the number two, protect.org. And that will uh, provide information on multiple sites across the country where this trial is being done, not just here in Syracuse. But certainly here at Upstate, you will draw people from throughout um, central New York who might be interested, right? So here at Upstate, we have the Center of Excellence for Alzheimer's Disease, which is one of nine across the state. And the one here in central New York covers a 15-county area, going up to St. Lawrence County and down to Broome County. We go up to Lewis County in the Adirondacks, And so we are part of a consortium across New York State to help identify patients with Alzheimer's disease, help other physicians who are taking care of these patients, to teach it to the next generation of healthcare professionals, and also to participate in trials like this so that we can help advance treatment and understanding of the disease. So you mentioned how many people are affected by Alzheimer's disease and their caregivers, we have to still take care of those people, and we want to make sure that we're giving them the care that shows the best chances of success. And that's why we are participating in these clinical trials. So the T2 trial is one, but are there others um, that you have underway? Yes. So we have other trials that we are working on. Uh, We also have the graduate trial, which targets one of the abnormal proteins that can build up in the brain to see if Removing that protein can be helpful in um, the disease course. We are about to launch another trial called the MIND study, and that is that stands for Memory Improvement with uh, Nicotine Dosing. Hmm. And so what we want to do is look at how well someone's memory is if they use a nicotine patch. And people get very nervous when they hear nicotine because they associate it with cigarettes. But this is not anything related to cigarettes. When you smoke a cigarette, you're getting a lot of tars and other chemicals. This is pure nicotine that would be used in a patch form, which is safe. And we know that there are receptors or brain cells 
that are sensitive to nicotine and that when those receptors are blocked and they can't get nicotine, they start to age and die. And on the other hand, when they're stimulated with nicotine, they have improvement in memory that may last even after you stop taking the nicotine. So this is another um, study that we're very excited to look at because it may, again, help down the road in terms of protection. So what we want to do here is be able to offer a variety of clinical trials that um, we can help our subjects review and see which ones they would like to participate in. And prior to that, we had very limited access to clinical trials in our area, and many times families had to go to a big city like Boston or New York, which is very hard to do um, if you already have a problem with your memory. And so we want to reduce that stress and make things available here right in our community. Well, it's got to be with a disease like Alzheimer's where we're still trying to figure out what will help um, the, the promise of being you know, able to participate in a clinical trial. I mean, it might feel like to some people that there's no other options. So we have patients who say, what can I do to help so that my grandchildren don't have to deal with this disease? And so we've always had patients who wanted to participate in new discoveries and new science to help their grandchildren not get this disease. And we were limited in our ability to offer them anything until now with this uh, new focus on our clinical trial center. So we're very excited that we can be part of the new science moving forward and really see if we can change the course of this disease. So previously, we've been able to offer medications that only took care of the symptoms and didn't really change the underlying disease process. So we're excited with the T2 study, for example, that this may actually change the disease process, and that gives us a lot of hope. So the person with Alzheimer's, do they, they need to give consent to participate, but if they're not of mind to do that, can a, can a caregiver or a spouse or loved one give consent for them? Yes, so we work very carefully to make sure that we are doing things in a, in a proper manner. So we never want to enroll anyone in a study against their will or enroll anyone in a study who doesn't have the ability to give permission. So what we do is evaluate that person's ability to give permission, and if they can't, we talk to their, their health care proxy or the person who's responsible for their health care, and then we work with them. But if a person, no matter what, says they don't want to participate, we don't force them to do it. So this is not our goal. Our goal is to enroll people who want to help find new answers And this doesn't change our relationship with our patients. If they decide they don't want to participate, we still take care of them. So we're not doing that kind of either-or situation. We just want to have the option of offering this. And if someone doesn't want to participate, we we understand. Okay. Well, I'll say the phone number again. Uh, It's 315-464-3285 for anyone who's interested in learning more. Thank you very much for your time. My guest has been Dr. Sharon Brangman, a SUNY Distinguished Service Professor of Medicine and Chief of the Department of Geriatrics at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.